Welcome to the sixth episode of Precise Target's Thought Leadership Series, The Retail Record. In this episode, our CEO, Ron McGovern, hosted a fireside chat via Zoom with Sarah Stalnecker, the head of consumer analytics at New Balance Athletics. They discussed opportunities for marketing and consumer insight departments to collaborate. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Rob McGovern. Uh, today, I'm going to be hosting Sarah Stalnecker from New Balance. And I'm very excited to have her with us. And I'd like her to introduce herself. Hey, Rob, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Sarah Stalnecker, and I lead the consumer analytics team at New Balance Athletics, Inc. Um, so just a little bit about what that is. So we're responsible for everything from marketing site and very redundantly, consumer analytics. Um, so essentially really our focus is understanding our consumers and their journey. So we can help our product and business teams design the most compelling products and experiences for our consumers. So essentially this means we spend a heck of a lot of time trying to make sense of a lot of data. <laughs> so let's, let's center in on you, who you are. So, so, the, so that's like a 40,000 foot role. What right. was every job at, at New Balance and what'd you do before New Balance? Sure. Um, so that is the 45,000 foot level. Um, so day to day, you know, our team is really spending a heck of a lot of time talking to business and technology teams, right? And really bridging the gap between all the disparate places where you can imagine consumer data or interesting data that consumers leave. Um, and how do we make sense of that, right? So how do we translate that in a way that you can actually build insights that are reliable? So Prior to New Balance, which I've been here for about five years, which has gone by in a flash, I spent 10 years in you know, various strategy, media, and analytics roles for brands like Luxottica Retail and Anheuser-Busch. And in your background, did you come out of technology or marketing? Marketing. <laughs> you came out of marketing first. Yeah, came out of marketing, but always really interested and curious about how things worked. So, you know, it's been a ride for the last 15 years, right? So the emergence of so much technology um, and capability and really trying to understand beyond the tools, how do the tools work, um, kind of what's happening behind the scenes so that we could start to uncover how can we use them better. Um, and so really always been very passionate about the technology side, even though I will tell you I am not. <laughs> always the most technologically literate person. I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I've had many conversations with you where I, you've shown your stuff. But, you know, when we talk to your staff, um, what's interesting to me is everybody looks like they're right out of a New Balance commercial, right? And they're really gung-ho about the brand. And yeah. you recruit for that? You know, it's, it's really funny because every time we have a job posting, it's inevitable that either people are really passionate about the category. So if you think about like the athletic space, they might not have been familiar, as familiar with New Balance as a brand, but then once they come in and become like kind of indoctrinated in what it means to be kind of part of this brand and this family, you inherently see such huge adoption of people not only wearing kind of the footwear, so the sneakers, um, but also the apparel. Um, you know, it's funny, every time I wear a piece of apparel, people are like, where'd you get that? Where's that from? And I'm like, New Balance. I'm like, New Balance makes clothes. <laughs> um, so there is kind of this discoverability factor, I think that's also really interesting for people when they um, join the brand. So if you take the people in the office on, on a given day. Yeah. And um, 
what percent of the people are wearing at least one uh, oh, new item? I uh, mean, I never like to say 100%, Rob, but probably somewhere between 95 and 100%. It's, now, um, so I actually work out of our St. Louis office, which is decidedly more casual than our Boston office. Um, so I've had to get very used to people wearing things like athletic shorts and sweatpants <laughs> to work, but it really is a bonus, right, of being able to wear the apparel, which is incredibly comfortable. Um, so even I've noticed while people are working from home, they're definitely still wearing the apparel. So I'm only getting kind of this shot up, so I don't necessarily see the footwear, but absolutely still see people wearing the apparel, which is pretty cool. Well, today's kind of special that... <clears throat> You know, many times we have clients on this podcast and I don't uh, um, have an opportunity to wear what the client makes because it's women's apparel. But today, <laughs> check this out. Nice! Uh, I got my New Balance on. It's a rare thing that when I can <laughs> wear the client's apparel. And they're um, the best, right? They, they fit are. great. Well, I warmed in my hit class this morning and... Um, they, yep. they, they weren't too cold. It was cold in Washington, but they were fine. <laughs> All right, so now, <clears throat> you know, the, uh, you're young in your career, um, but, you've, but the pace is really going fast, and you've seen a lot happening. And when you look, at, at, you know, out um, into the future, what are you most excited about? Like, what do you think is really cool that's coming? Yeah, I think what's really interesting is, you know, it's funny because I think everything's still centered around consumer experience, but increasingly as that becomes more and more digital, it's what I'm excited about is how do you maintain some of that human element when things go digital? So where do technologies kind of start to bridge that gap so that we can kind of continue to deliver the right product, the right product attributes, the right messaging, the right experience to buy those products? an increasingly digital world. Um, and so that's what I think is the most exciting because I don't ever think you're gonna replace a human element, but the smarter and the better that we can get about using some of the tools and being able to deliver an experience to consumers that is decidedly new balance, to me is what's really exciting. And so, and, and what's happening in the industry is, you know, I'm observing this convergence of you know, insights used to be really like a research function. Yeah. Programmatic was like an acquisition function. And as companies bring programmatic in-house, I'm seeing a much tighter coupling. Is that happening at New Balance? Like what's happening? Absolutely. So I can tell you, you know, I think there's been a recognition across the organization, as I kind of just mentioned, but the point of difference for every brand is really your consumers, right? Um, and so knowing who our consumers are um, and then how we reach them with relevant messaging is why you're seeing that coupling happen. So we've spent <laughs> a number of years, I don't even want to get into how many, <laughs> um, doing the hard work of really kind of bringing together all of these disparate data sets that were housing, you know, the goldmine of consumer information together. So we could start to stitch together and really understand who our consumers are and, and really how they're behaving. And so marrying that up with how do we then reach to that reach them and talk to them in the right places, you know, really just means that that marketing arm and that insights arm, right, really need to be kind of hand in hand. And what I think is exciting is just how many more, you know, how much more interest we've gotten on the marketing end 
to get even more information, more data, more understanding about consumers beyond just kind of, you know, historically what we've all had access to, right, which is a lot of third party and a lot of inferences, but how do we kind of marry that together with our own first party so that we really bring to bear what we have as our competitive difference, which is understanding our consumers. Well, that, so that, that's interesting that, you know, that if I see one consistent struggle in brands, it's where to put the data, yeah. right? And, um, yeah. you know, CDPs are hot. I think everybody wants a CRM, but they don't have one. Right. And they have these archaic customer file systems. Like, what's your perspective on all that? You know, what, 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 what's table stakes now for brands? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, as I mentioned before, we've, we've spent a number of years kind of building our own consumer data hub. So essentially think about it as a consumer data platform without all the connections back out to the universe and ecosystem. Um, but we really thought it was important to say, like, how do, we, how do we kind of own our data and have it in a place where we can mine it um, and drive insights and then, you know, do things like machine learning on top of that. Um, so we spent a lot of time building it. Um, and I'd say the CDP landscape was still in the process of, of kind of growing up <laughs> and reaching maturity mm -hmm. in parallel to kind of us building it internally. And so what we recognize kind of when we got to the stage of, you know, we've got a really good consolidated view of our consumers. So theoretically a good understanding of who Sarah is and how she's behaving. Then we became, we came to kind of the topic of, so now what, right? So as we think about things like personalization, marketing orchestration, and everything that you were just walking through, we said, does it make sense to continue to build or buy? And that's why we have kind of a, <laughs> a hybrid solution, right? Where we did a lot of the data integrity work internally and then have spent the time, you know, and in resourcing on saying, let's invest into a CDP to do kind of that segment and connection back out to the ecosystem for us um, because the space has gotten really sophisticated um, and it no longer made sense for us to kind of continue to build all of those things internally. Yes, let's talk about the <clears throat> when it gets to be a problem for the consumer. <clears throat> that, um, you know, I find that a lot of brands, you know, they talk about the omni-channel, but really what it is is they have three or four channels. Yep. They view you as a mobile customer. They view you as a in-store. They view you as an e-commerce. And the consumer doesn't like that, right? No. And I was shocked the other day. I bought something in Home Depot in the store, and it showed up in the app. It's like, yeah. that's what they should all do. I'm one customer, right? Right. So what's your thinking about that? Like, how does it, yeah. how do brands get like a unified view of the consumer instead of siloed into channels? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's increasingly challenging. You know, you think about now the pure play D2Cs, right? So people that have stood up kind of digitally first, they had a leg up to a certain extent because they're not dealing with legacy systems, right? And trying to bring together a bunch of legacy systems, not necessarily ever built for the idea of, consolidated view of consumers so that you can enable things like omni-channel. And right. so we've been, you know, spending a lot of time just trying to make sure, because like that is consumer expectation, right? Your expectation is if you see New Balance on the door, or if you go to newbalance.com, that there's continuity and consistency in that experience, right? Like the brand is on it. <laughs> I expect that you know me if I've given you, particularly if I've given you my information. I think the challenge for all retailers is just that, right? How do you start to bring together all of those different places that weren't built for this case? Um, but I think all of them, all of us have kind of accelerated the work on that 
um, if we weren't doing it before, definitely after the start of COVID, right? Because you recognize that, you know, consumers, you know, are really expecting that and things like buy online, pick up on store and really trying to make sure that you can enable that um, convenience, right? For consumers means that you've got that back, back end settled. Um, so we've been working really hard on that. It's definitely a huge priority. I think the other missing component on that is, you know, all of us have, you know, very significant wholesale partnerships, right? Um, so there's just a lot of different places where you're trying to break down silos and figure out how do you bring these things together? Because consumers don't care that it's hard. Right. <laughs> they just want the experience to be right. Um, and so I think it has been great just to see how much, in particular, the New Balance side, we've even accelerated the progress that we had to date on kind of trying to get that together um, and have launched a lot of new capability like, you know, buy online, pick up on store, ship from store, things that really try to make that ease and convenience for our consumers. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about, you know, the, about data and privacy, which stitches this all together, right? And right. So the pendulum has swung, you know, way towards GDPR and CCPA and and the cookie apocalypse and and you know I I sit here saying, but the consumer doesn't always oppose their data being used. No. Right. You look at you know you said hey Netflix personalization is going away. Shopify or um, <laughs> um, uh, Spotify is going away. People would be upset. Yep. Right. And so how do you marry the need to protect the consumer um, but also providing personal experience? No, I think, I think that's spot on, Rob, and that's been kind of our point of view, which is let's not collect data for data's sake <laughs> because that's a crummy experience for consumer. But inherently, like when you go on a Netflix, right, you're expecting content that's curated for you. And so as we think about even things like on-site personalization, email communication, and of where we're using that data, it's right, like, how do we curate an experience that's going to be incredibly relevant for you? I think that's where, you know, we all have to do the right thing and, and continue to think about this from the human lens versus data, 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 data first. Um, but that's been the commitment that we've had in figuring out what aspects of consumer information do we need right to enable some of those experiences and if we don't need it let's not get it right because you want to make sure that you're continuing to only capture the things that are that are inherently usable for curating that experience for consumers but i agree with you i mean it's a crummy it would be a crummy thing for me to log into netflix and then have to figure out what to watch through their catalog of eight million you know different offering um, and so I, I do think increasingly, you know, that has been something that consumers expect. And, and I think when we marry that together and say, this is why we're collecting this information. If you even think about now all the bugs that are, this is why we collect cookies. I think it's done a really good job of at least starting to indicate, like, this is what we're using this information for. And now it's on all of us just to be responsible with it. Right. <clears throat> all right. So let's talk about your, the hardest part of your job, which, um, <laughs> which, and I'm, I'm speculating what the hard part is, but you know, New Balance, you're a 115 year old brand. You've been around yeah. a while. Long time. But you're also a challenger brand. Yeah. Right? You got these big gorillas named Nike and Under Armour and Adidas that you have to do battle with every day. And, and, and so uh, 
building a better product, I know that's part of the strategy. Sure. How do you do the better marketing? Like, how do you yeah. reach them in this noisy, crowded market? No, I think you've nailed it. I mean, we definitely see ourselves as a challenger brand. Um, you look at the market share of someone like an Adidas and a Nike, and then you look at their spending, right? We all recognize within marketing, we're never going to outspend those guys. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. Um, but I think what's really interesting is just, you know, if I take a step back and think about what our brand stands for and the brand ethos, um, you know, it's really connecting that back to our consumers. So, you know, we've clearly invested a significant amount of our energy in understanding who our consumers are. Um, but how do we continue to kind of build those relevant stories to go back out to recruit more, right? Because it's all about how do we continue to, to tell our story and drive new consumer acquisition. I think, you know, what we have is an incredible competitive difference um, because, you know, we kind of walk the walk, right? So from our commitment to domestic manufacturing, product fit and quality, to the athlete roster, right? Where the importance isn't just about the athletic accomplishment, but the character of the athletes, right? We really care about who these people are as people beyond the performance, right? On the field, on the pitch, on the court, et cetera. And so I think that's what's, you know, been something that we've seen kind of organically um, people are proud to share. And then how do we continue to amplify that through our marketing channels? Because we know that's what our consumers are going to respond to and is really going to be that point of difference that allows people to see new balance in a new light. Yeah. So <clears throat> that sounds like personal experience and storytelling for the brand and, 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 yep. uh, and engaging the consumers. But, you know, I look at the, what happened to advertising right. is in the last five or 10 years, the algorithms took over, right? Yeah. It's programmatic. And, um, you know, I think it's almost a quaint thought of an ad agency creating a slogan now, right? The algorithm will do that. And, and so brands, you know, to compete with the Amazons and, and survive in, in this, you know, global fast fashion, you know, brands are going to, have to rely more and more on AI. Yep. And and, and so, um, you know, I refer to sort of like writing towards it was programmatic advertising. We're going to go to programmatic retail. Do you right. agree with that? And how are you going to, like, what does that mean for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really great, I mean, I've lived through what it was to write and, you know, 500 different IOs. <laughs> for a campaign to that getting replaced with a few as it related to programmatic, right? And the efficiency that drove and, you know, some of the things that, you know, significantly changed the marketplace. I think as I think about what's going to happen in retail, and I think we've seen a lot of that shift already start to happen, but I see programmatic and AI the same way I see it within our consumer data, right? As an enabler. Um, and I sort of never see kind of the replacement of the human element. I think sometimes we forget that, right? Which is like, oh, the technology is so cool. The technology is gonna solve all of our problems. But unless we have people that are saying, here's the problem I want the technology to resolve and solve, that the technology in and of itself is not gonna do anything. Um, and so I think, you know, as humans, as we become even more technologically literate, I do think that you're gonna see things like, you know, AI start to accelerate some of the consumer experience changes in retail. Um, but I, I never really see it replacing that human component of what it means to kind of shop in retail spaces. Well, here's something that <clears throat> reinforces what you're saying. 
<clears throat> that you know we we know that the IBM Deep Blue computer beat uh, Gary Kasparov, the chess champion. Yeah. And originally, <clears throat> I think the Deep Blue won like three out of five matches or something like that. Right. And then <clears throat> the IBM engineers went off and um, tuned the algorithms, and now they win 100% of the time. Right. Right. And um, <clears throat> I think to the bar point with Gaspar, Gas became very depressed about this. But <clears throat> here's sort of an interesting thing Deep Blue is not the world chess champion. Do you know who he is? No. Anytime you pair it with a professional chess player, it wins. Okay. So if you combine a human yep. with the deep blue, it will win. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> that goes to exactly what you're saying. It's going to augment yeah. what we do, but not replace what we do. <clears throat> um, all right. So um, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> one consistent thread I see is <clears throat> brands that are primarily wholesale. Um, <clears throat> That the C-level executives have are having a hard time turning the quarter to direct. It, it seems to me they always like they want to be in the business of loading up, you know, containers full of stuff and shipping it. And um, but what about New Balance? Are you, you know, during the pandemic, have you shifted more to DTC? And is it in the ethos of the company? <clears throat> yeah, I think that's a great question. So um, <laughs> I think. It's it's so funny because I think so many retailers were on the path of digital transformation and that, you know, could be, you know, wholesale, digital, D2C, a combination of the two. And we're squarely kind of in the combination of the two. And then you see kind of COVID happened and accelerated it for everybody. Um, but I think one of the benefits that I see that's coming out of it is also the strength in partnership, right? Um, because... There's this reality of, you know, on the D2C side, you know, we absolutely want to understand who, who our consumers are, how they're behaving. And so we're creating a better experience, but also better product, but also marrying that up with, you know, our wholesale partners. And so there's just been a great kind of emergence of more sharing and insights of how do we kind of tackle this thing together? Um, mm -hmm. Because essentially we're all trying to do the same thing, right? Get the right products, the right people, where they want to buy it. Um, and so I, I think that's been, to me, one of the positive things um, that's come out of COVID is there has been this acceleration to digital transformation that we're obviously kind of pushing the gas on for the D2C side, but absolutely doing that in partnership with our wholesale partners as well. And, and your C-level people, your CEO as an example, is, um, has um, your e-commerce business moved up in his or her priority list? Is it gaining importance? <laughs> I will tell you, I have never been busier. <laughs> so since I've started at New Balance, our team has been incredibly busy um, because I think there's just also been this recognition that we sit on a tremendous amount of really compelling data about our consumers mm -hmm. that can really help us understand, you know, one, when the shift right happened where stores were closed. So the only thing that was open was digital. Um, so I do think I that, that the, it became the uni channel. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so I think that was the piece that even, you know, across leadership, and I'm, I'm imagining this is consistent across all retailers, right, was everything else is closed. 
<laughs> I've got to figure out, right, like how I can use what I know about our current consumers and how we can partner, better partner with our wholesalers, right, so that we can kind of tackle this together. But absolutely, I think, you know, our team, you know, has been incredibly busy and, you know, the desire for information has never been stronger, which to me is really exciting, right? Because I think it's emerging in a way that, you know, hopefully is better for not only internally, like there being more comfort level um, and understanding of kind of what we know about our consumers and, and how to apply that. Um, but also like, how do we start to strengthen our partnerships? Because clearly we know who our consumers are so that we can help them kind of merchandise um, what's gonna be most compelling for their consumers. So yeah, I think it's been pretty positive. One thing that excites me as a technologist is, you know, technologists by their nature were impatient people and <laughs> because the next big thing is coming and, yep. and it's sometimes frustrating how long it takes, but yep. <laughs> that what the pandemic has done is create acceleration. Totally. Right? And everyone's got their foot on the gas and, and that's exciting because we don't have to wait around five years to see what's going to happen. Right. Right. All right. So now, um, this final question, um, um, I'm going to speak for everyone who's probably listening and watching, um, and they're wondering, like, this woman, is she really a uh, grand fan of New Balance? <laughs> so, everyone's going to have the same question. <clears throat> How many pairs of New Balance shoes do you own? Okay, so I went in my closet because <laughs> I forced all this question. It's it's a little shocking because my closet has my side and my husband's side. So if I count all my, and then I have two small boys, uh -huh. so if I count full family shoes, it's gotta be over 50. Wow. Okay. But you know, what's so funny. So right now I've been buying a lot more running shoes, <laughs> which I've always told my friends, if I start running again, you know, the apocalypse is near. <laughs> it's, it's here. We, we got there. <laughs> so that's been kind of fun because I've been, you know, really testing out our running product. Um, and that's been really great. But now I have like a whole new section of shoes that I need to house beyond just my super comfortable lifestyle shoes. So, um, yeah, I got a, a full stable and then also a full stable of my, like my husband's like, if you buy another jacket, I don't like, what are we going to do? We're going to, I'm like, we need a bigger closet. <laughs> So yes, all, our sneaker game in my household is very strong, and my little boys call them the end shoes because they like they get <laughs> funny. And do, and do you have a pair of the coveted nine nineties? I don't have nine nineties, which is I know I shouldn't even tell you that. Um, well, but I was, I, gonna, some... I was going to like make that as part of our <laughs> business relationship, like a, a chit to get them. I can't get them. I know. Well, you know, and we've had all these collabs recently that have, you know, there's like limited pair count. So I can't get my hands on those either. Yeah. For everyone that doesn't know New Balance, um, the last time I checked, it was a $175 pair of sneakers. Yes. Right? So the 990s are the primo primo. I think people in the big marathons run with them, right? Yeah. And they've, um, you know, they're, it shows the commitment to domestic manufacturing, right? Because that's our main product, um, yeah. which is pretty cool. Um, and they've really stood the test of time. Um, and it's funny because it's, it's, it's definitely a global shoe, right? 
Um, so it's, it's really cool to see how people style them differently across the different regions in the globe, as you can imagine. Um, but it goes from everything to something people cruise in to like a very high fashion, right, in certain markets, so. Well, I'm just gonna warn you, <clears throat> you know I have a sense of humor. <laughs> if I ever get the opportunity to meet your husband, I'm looking to say, what, no 990s? Come on. <laughs> I can't believe she didn't get them for you. I know. Well, he's always on me because he's like, um, how, don't I, how come I don't own these shoes? And I was like, oh, please. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're so deprived. <laughs> it's definitely first world problem. When you yeah, 100%. Shoes. Yes. <laughs> I'm wearing pink suede once today, so. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Well, Sarah, I want to thank you for joining us today. It's um, been very enlightening for me, and I'm sure for everyone um, who will be viewers of this. And, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the Challenger brands, right? And it's, you know, I'm sure the people at Nike have their own headaches, but it's not the same headache. And the headache of, you know, taking it into the battlefield every day to compete is exciting and it's been yeah. great talking to you. Yeah, it's a fun one to work for, that's for sure. Um, they definitely kind of walk the walk, as I said before. So it's been, it's a fun challenge every day, I'll say that. Well, keep it up, right? Thank you. All right, thank, thank you. Thank you for the time. All right, it's been great having you.